Since March 2020, collectively our experiences, relationships, and framework for understanding our day-to-day lives have changed as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. As a society, we're navigating these challenges, seeing new opportunities, and facing the fear and beauty of the unknown as we adapt. Lore Arts has been collecting stories and talking to artists, farmers, academics, community leaders, and members who share their experiences and perspectives during the pandemic. I'm Fanling Suen. And I'm Ali Roback. And, and this, this is Pause. Pause. This conversation was recorded in July 2020. Today we're joined by artist Lisa Hermer. Lisa Hermer is an interdisciplinary artist who works across visual media, social practice, performance, and occasionally writing. She is primarily concerned with collective relationships, that which exists between things rather than simply within them. Hermer's practice is unapologetically sincere in its engagement with the world and deeply connected to the sites, communities, and specific moments that surround its creation. Hermer holds a Master's of Architecture from the University of Waterloo and is currently based in Guelph, Canada. Lisa, where are you now? I am currently in Guelph. Uh, I'm in a little office space uh, that's in the house I'm staying in. Yeah, sitting at a desk talking to you through (laughs) the wonders of technology. Right on. And um, these uh, last several months, um, how have you been doing? I've been doing all right. I think, um, you know, like a lot of people, it's changed a lot. It just feels like, yeah, almost like every week you wake up to a different world. Um, But overall, I mean, I appreciate a time of slowness and I feel lucky to be able to stay at home, be safe. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of family members who are healthcare workers, so I am very aware of a different reality of right. how people can live during this time. Does your family often kind of share the going-ons of, um, I guess, what's happening in their world and being in between those two spaces? Does it feel a little bit disjointed? or? Yeah, definitely. I think... I think there's like this one narrative of the pandemic that's, you know, like being at home and watching a lot of TV or, you know, trying to find things to do. And then there's this other reality of anybody on the front line that's very different. I think even I have a friend who is a professor and um, she was saying how that's not her reality at all, having to teach students um, throughout this without much of a break. It has been really intense. So I think... Yeah, there's these different experiences of the pandemic, but sometimes one narrative jumps to the front. So knowing people who are experiencing something else, I think, helps give me gratitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I guess in that space then, uh, within living in, in where you are and within the slowness of being able to reflect, um, what have you been thinking about these past couple months? I think for a lot of people, myself included, the pandemic brings up some pretty huge questions that were maybe lingering there already, but they've 
jump to the front. Primarily around, I think, like collective life. I mean, not that we're fully alone. Technology allows us to connect to each other and have conversations, but it's really brought into contrast what it meant to share space with each other and just cross with other people in public spaces and what our responsibilities to each other are in terms of keeping each other safe. So mm -hmm. that has been on my mind quite a bit, and I think it's something we're all kind of contending with and will play out over the course of years. Another thing I've been thinking quite a lot is just how we spend our time. I mean, I think we're all struggling with this idea of productivity. Like, are we productive? Are we not productive? Should we be productive? Um, because I think that's very much how we measured ourselves before. Even, even though I would say that I rejected that idea, I think it still creeps into our life and how we value each day. Yeah, and I mean, prior to the pandemic, framing our productivity is often in line with leaving the home and connecting with other people. Mm -hmm. And in terms of spaces, like that's very much flattened uh, through technology. Like right now, I mean, for the listeners, they can't see, but we're essentially just talking to our screens mm -hmm. and not be able to have that, that chemistry of meeting. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I think too, like, yeah, there's sort of like the hard, solid pieces of things getting done that feels very productive. And this time has been a moment of um, sort of like digesting that's invisible or processing or thinking, mm -hmm. um, which I do think is quite valuable, but it's harder to sort of declare that as productive or feel like that's productive. I guess so when you're mulling that over then, in your day-to-day -day, the last several months of reframing productivity as an artist what does that what does that look like uh, for you yeah I think well I think the first step was because before I would have said that I rejected that idea but I think we also have to perform it in order to kind of succeed as artists right like you're supposed to be like if you're not doing anything then you stop being seen as an artist maybe, or you feel as if you've stopped being seen as an artist. Mm -hmm. So I think the first thing was to realize how deeply embedded in myself that idea was, even though I don't think it's a good one. And then just redefining what is valuable to me and what you, know, you want your practice as an artist to look like and be about. So I think making time for slow thinking and digesting and processing ideas is super important and just like giving the space and um, yeah, just acknowledging that is valuable. Mm -hmm. Productivity is often in line with material creation or acquisition, mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. if productivity is framed in care, um, they're done through actions that may not necessarily be always witnessed to. Mm -hmm. Um, it kind of falls in line with the idea of slowness and productivity because the duration is so much longer that it's may not necessarily, you might not see the material manifestation in within a longer time frame. So it might not be viewed as warranted or important in terms of productive time. Yeah, definitely. I think also of carefulness, like, mm -hmm to be careful you do have to move slower and what that means in terms of creative production to be careful in a process mm -hmm.
just to give a little context to people who are not familiar with your work as an artist, um, your work kind of layers together many different facets of writing, photography, social practice, relationships, communities, um, both kind of ecosystems, plants, humans. How would you kind of describe your practice to someone who has no background uh, in the arts? Yeah, definitely. I always kind of think of this as like the airplane question when people are like, what do you do? <laughs> and they're like, I'm an artist. Oh, do you make paintings? And it's always so, so hard to answer. Sometimes it's easy, like the cop-out answers to say I'm a designer because somehow that doesn't um, raise as many questions. <laughs> when you're not feeling talkative on the airplane. Yeah, I'm like, I'm a designer. I'm like, what do you design? I'm like, things for art galleries. And people are just like, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I think in my work, I'm interested in how we live collectively. Like, I often say, like, the things that exist between us, mm. um, so that aren't maybe carried within, but in fact hover somewhere beyond the edges of ourselves. And the art that I make is a way of exploring that and kind of holding a space of complexity. So I don't always have the answer or don't have it figured out. And I like the way creating art lets you hold that in place. So social practice, I think, is it's a big question and it's a complicated term. It's sort of like the easiest one to use to describe a lot of what I do, but I wouldn't say I feel like super aligned with a lot of social practice out there. But I think generally speaking, social practice has to do with relationship more than object. So it's about the experience and relationship between people who are activating the artwork rather than a more passive um, audience that would observe an object when it's finished. Mm -hmm. Yeah, kind of reflecting on some of your work, um, what the word that kind of comes to mind for me is facilitation. Like mm -hmm. a lot of, there's a lot of prompts through your writing, um, a lot of prompts through how you bring people together, facilitating thinking, facilitating ideas for people to bring into their own life in terms of considering their environment. In, in some of your work, would, would you say you kind of facilitate slowness? Mm. I mean, I hope so. Um, I think in the work that you would describe as facilitation, it comes out of wanting the work to exist like between the artist and I mean, not observer, but in this case, more like participant. So between the artist and participant, so that the work itself exists in that space between. Because I think that's like quite a vital space. And to finish a work almost feels like it's dead. And I think what I like about bringing slowness into that place is there's this crack that can open that you jump over if you're going too fast. And in that crack, new ideas and perceptions can come through. I'm very skeptical of grand claims of like art is going to save the world. But I think it can like shift you like a fraction of one degree. And like that might seem really, really, really small, but like down the line, right, that distance gets bigger and bigger. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in order to do that, you really do have to slow down. Along that train of thought right now, 
the conversation is like essential workers and frontline workers, doctors, nurses, paramedics have a critical role in, in our health. Mm-hmm. What do you think the role of the artist is um, right now and today and, and into the future in terms of how you describe that small crack and ripple into time? Yeah, I think it's a good question. At the start of the pandemic, I heard about an arts organization that was working with a bunch of artists and decided that they should all um, just jump into service roles. And on the one hand, I think as humans, of course, if there's a need that's urgent to jump in and do what we can, that's important. But I'm a little bit skeptical about a quickness to be like, art is not useful right now, or how can artists be useful? I think like we've already been fighting this battle of like the forces of capitalism wanting to be like, how is art useful? How is it productive? And that like that in that constant pressure, I think like we're yielding a little bit to be like, well, like art, it's it's actually like this form of social work or it can take the role of this and it sells it a little bit short. Mm-hmm. I mean, I also like to think of human history and art so like art is older than agriculture it's older than cities humans before all of that were able to find the space to let some of their members make art so it's a big warning sign if we can't do that and I think art is not a solid tool that's always like Art equals X, this is what it does. It's always a shifting thing and that's part of its power. So it's hard to kind of say this is the utility of art, but it obviously is a very, very important part of being human. This act of creation and reflection and trying to make sense of the world and ideas kind of before they're even fully formed ideas. And I think it's important to hold that particularly in the hard times because that's when we maybe need that most. Mm-hmm. We often make art within the conversations that are already around us. And so it's valuable in, in seeing something reflected back to us. Yeah, definitely. I like sort of the idea that it's not useful, but it is valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Prior to the pandemic, uh, you've been making work around a lot about emergencies and um, or either future emergencies that haven't arised yet and you often invite viewers and participants to kind of think about the actions and how they affect into the future, uh, particularly climate change. Mm -hmm. Now that a present pandemic is here and is unfolded, like no one could really anticipate that. How does that that sit with you in terms of you as an artist and uh, your practice? Yeah, I think I mean, no one could have predicted exactly how this has played out, but I think a lot of people knew something was coming eventually. I mean, there's like Hollywood movies, right, that basically have predicted how this will play out to a pretty like high degree of accuracy. But, I, you know, like I think there was enough warning signs that things could not go the way they were going forever. Mm-hmm. And so the only reason we were surprised and unprepared is because we were ignoring the inevitable because it was quite convenient. But personally, as I was thinking about these projects about emergencies 
and particularly in the context of climate change. I did think we would have more time before that would be a very lived reality. Mm-hmm. And one of the terms I use a lot in my work, in titles of works in particular, is like not yet here rather than future, because I like that here is both in time and space. So not yet here could mean it's not here yet in time, or it's not geographically here yet. Because I think we were living in a place where looking towards future disaster was something of a luxury. And the pandemic coming has kind of been a lesson in what it is to live with it in the present in time and space. Can you speak to that work that you created with the University of Lethbridge titled in a way um, that you spoke about, which is Tender Scores for Here and Not Yet Here. Uh, You made this at the height of the beginning in March and April of this year. For you, you describe this project as meant to be a response piece to the pandemic, uh, almost a living response. What was it like for you to create this work during an emergency rather than for something that's not yet here? I was super grateful for the invitation and the push to formalize the sort of swirl of thoughts and ideas that were happening as everything changed almost by the day. But it was also really, really hard. Everyone was, their minds were rushing to make sense and give shape to something that was changing so rapidly. So I responded for six weeks. Every week I would make a little animation for the gallery's social media. And the interesting thing is how different each week felt. Some weeks was very easy. It was like a thought that had been just churning in my mind and it was obvious how that would translate into the piece. And other weeks were like a huge battle just to kind of get any sense of clarity around it. So it's kind of interesting now to look back at it and see it as this time capsule of that process of like coming to terms and making sense of especially now I think we've we've normalized the situation quite a bit just in our minds like people wear masks in their dreams now or you know you're watching a movie or a tv show and like people hug and you're like you can't you can't do that (laughs) or like a big group or there's crowds of people yeah and you're like oh no just somewhere in the back of your mind it has already like adjusted to this new reality so it's Like, I'm so grateful now, even though that was quite hard to get out, that there is this, like, capturing of what it was to transition into this new normal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm just going to quickly describe it to folks who haven't seen it. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You have a video piece every week. It's on a weekly basis. It really reminded me of space. It's, like, black and white, and there's, like, a few objects floating around. And then paired next to it is a series of texts that kind of reflect your experience. It's just a couple of sentences. How would you describe the video pieces kind of lining up with the text and the spaciness of the visuals? When the pandemic and the lockdown in particular first happened, it felt like we were really flooded with digital content. Like, you know, there were so many things just coming out at us. And I didn't want to make something that felt like that. I wanted Mm. to create something that was like, again, very slow. So yeah, the animations are very abstract, but kind of a single question or thought for the week to be with and be almost this sort of like meditative 
nonverbal illustration of this idea to enter into a slow meditative space. Yeah, maybe let's talk a little bit more about this slowness and this approach of, I think you had mentioned this previously in a conversation that we have of slow urgency for present and future emergencies and bridging this with your your artwork. Yeah, I think when we think of something that is urgent, our response is one of speed. And that does, of course, make sense for a lot of situations. But I think we're also faced with emergencies that are at a different scale. So if we think of climate change as one example, the emergency is not going to end in our lifetime. That's just not possible. Our gut response to urgency is one of speed um, and intensity, but that can't be sustained at the scale mm -hmm. at which this emergency demands of us. So I think we need to think about like slower urgencies, uh, particularly climate change too. Like we can see in this pandemic, one of the things it does ask of us is to slow down, to move around less, to consume less. So yeah, I'm, I'm quite interested in how we compare urgency with slowness. So not slowness as a kind of regression or ignoring, but rather mm -hmm. like a deep engagement through this different scale of time. I'm really intrigued about how through your work, you're bridging this connection to, to nature and looking at examples in nature that are slow and that take time to build. Like I think about healthy soil ecology taking a long time to build and um, uh, you also often look at, at trees and the family of trees and the root systems and the relationship to fungi and the slow building that that takes. Where did that conversation first start for you in connecting nature, like just kind of going back out and, and using those examples as a place to bring into your practice? Hmm, that's a good question. I mean, I think throughout my practice, there's always been this conversation with the non-human or the more than human. I think we can get very stuck inside a human place and it's helpful to look towards other ways of being um, to get us out of that. So I'm cautious of like a short-circuited like, oh, mushrooms are gonna save the world, but rather this place of looking at them as fables um, or stories that help us think or examples of other things that could be that just opens up a space of speculation but at the same time also like a very material reality that we can also engage with so in the tree work it it, it does work on the level of the metaphor um, and fable but then like we can also like literally plant trees so it's positioned in that kind of middle space of neither being kind of like a hard science um, lens, but also not just a metaphor that gets used for whatever the agenda is either, mm -hmm. uh, which has always a bit of a struggle to balance. But I think also our sense of how to move forward is stuck in the same timeline of sort of extraction and consumption and destruction. So destruction 
happens very like we can destroy an ecology in quite a short amount of time but the repair happens at a much slower time scale mm -hmm. but we're looking for solutions that match the scale of destruction and so I think we have to look to how those like I don't want to say repair actually because repair implies going back to something that existed before which I don't think is possible but of rebuilding or building anew is a much slower time scale. So I think looking towards other species and how that actually happens can suggest the time scale at which we need to be thinking, which is beyond our own lifetimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what comes to mind is um, this opening that you want to create for a, not only just like a diversity of perspectives by looking through other species, but yourself kind of injecting a diversity of pacing kind of go hand in hand as well. Mm -hmm. When you're thinking about the future then, what do you think the future of art will look like from your perspective and like what do you hope for? Hmm. I mean kind of picking up on what you were just saying about multiplicity, I think I hope for that in the art world. There's this reckoning right now in the US but also in Canada with the racist legacy of museums and galleries and where they came out of and what they hold in their structures themselves. I think for a long time, maybe sort of the gallery or the museum seemed like the eternal right home of art. And now that that has kind of been revealed as not eternal, I think that there will be space an expanded field of space for working and different forms of creative work to come out of. Mm -hmm. And I think if we can hold that expanded field together with the sense of art being not useful but valuable, that then some like very exciting things could happen. I think also the pandemic has really opened up all these questions of who we are together and how porous we are to each other. So. Um, the myth of like an individual as a solid unit who could stand independently has just fallen away. And I do think it was already crumbling. But I think that means that there will be a kind of playing out of that over time. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how that shapes the art ecology in which stuff is made. And personally, I suspect that there'll be kind of a flourishing of work once artists have time to digest everything that's happened. Yeah, I was just thinking that um, almost with the inability to go to spaces, like the idea that an institution is housed in a brick and mortar and then disseminated through thoughts and ideas, but because we live in a time right now where we don't have access to those spaces right now in a physical way and in a metaphorical way, they're dismantling at the same time. Mm -hmm. If the museum is not a space that we can access, then what does it mean for a space to house ideas and who's, whose ideas and where's the house? Yeah, exactly. And I think, yeah, also we owe it to Black Lives Matter mm -hmm. and the real reckoning that's happening through that movement, how deeply racist these institutions are at their very core. You know, it's not a, it's a, feature, not a glitch. Well, thank you very much, Lisa, for your time. I, I feel like I will have to digest 
slowly a lot of the conversations that we've just had. But yeah, I think it's really valuable to offer your your insight in terms of not only yourself as an artist, but just more broadly speaking, sharing your personal reflections. And um, I feel like a lot of people can relate uh, to what you've been talking about today. So yeah, thanks. Thank you. Thank you for having me and having this chance to think about these questions.